Hi, this is Adrian King, and I played Alice in Friday the 13th, and you are listening to Horror Homeschool. Hello and welcome back to Horror Homeschool. I'm Chris. And I'm Ashley. How are you doing, Ashley? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm good. I'm very cold. It's freezing here. So I'm just trying to warm up. I've got my uh, big Jedi robe dressing gown on. Just nice. chilling in my pyjamas on my day off. So yeah, I'm, I'm good. Life's good. I'm just in sweats. So <laughs> Nice. But yeah, I'm excited to talk about this movie. Oh no! Um, I'm looking forward to it. Oh no! Ooh, okay. Well, I'm I'm looking forward to it, considering that you like the first one so much. Okay. Um, um I didn't. But... I didn't do trivia. Did you do trivia? Yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> I got a shitload of trivia. I went fully fully into this one, so I've I've got a lot of info. But yeah, I mean, you like the first one a lot, right? Oh, I loved it. Yeah. Um. And I'd be meaning to ask you actually last episode, but like, did it live up to the hype for you? Or do you think that it was a bit overrated? No, I don't think it was overrated at all. I think it was, it, it did live up to the hype, especially after seeing the movies that were based, like, you know, basically ripped it off. Um, but like, you know, just seeing that, that history being made right there, I just thought it was really cool. Yeah. Because I'm, this is why I'm like really curious about doing these films with you, like this franchise, because I'm curious to like hear someone's thoughts on these movies, like watch them for the first time, considering like the massive pop culture phenomenon, like surrounding it all, you know, because mm-hmm. like I'm mm-hmm. sure like, you know, all your life you've been aware of Jason Voorhees and Friday 13th. So yeah, for you yeah. to <laughs> finally watch them. I, I'm curious to hear what you actually think about them all. So let's get into part mm-hmm. two. So Friday 13th, part two, released in 1981. So it was one year after the first one. So they were quick to get that sequel out. Um, But it actually takes place five years after the first one. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's directed by Steve Miner, who was an associate producer on the first film and written by Ron Kurz. Um, So it's a different writer and director from the originals as they didn't have any interest in returning to make a sequel. Um, they didn't think there was any more story to be told, basically. Um, they thought that the story of Jason actually being alive and being the killer in this movie was ridiculous. Uh, and even Tom Savini refused to return for special effects. Um, but alas, there was more story to tell. And the synopsis goes like this. Five years after the events of the first film, a summer camp next to the infamous Camp Crystal Lake is preparing to open. 
but the legend of Jason is weighing heavy on proceedings. And so that's a weirdly worded synopsis, mm. but okay. <laughs> um, so I mentioned there about the original creative team not wanting to return. Do you agree with that? Do you think that the story had been told in the first film? Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I tend to agree too. I'm afraid I'm going to be a little too brutally honest today, so I'm sorry. Ooh, let's do it. Let's do it. I'm rolling my sleeves up. Let's get ready. So um, before we get stuck in, uh, let's do some trivia. Okay. So, um, so the first bit of trivia is quite incredible. So the budget for this movie was one million and two hundred fifty thousand dollars. Opening weekend, it made four point five million dollars, and overall, it grossed almost twenty-two million dollars worldwide. Wow! So it was successful, you could say. Yeah. <laughs> so no, no wonder they were clambering to make a, another sequel after this one with those profits. And um, the plot of part two shocked most people associated with the original film. Betty Palmer, Tom Savini, and Sean Cunningham all have made public remarks about how stupid it was that Jason was alive the whole time and that why didn't he just tell his mother that he was alive, uh, which would have avoided all the murders in part one. Tend to agree there. Um, Jason in this film is dressed to look exactly the same as the hooded burlap sack killer in The Town That Dreaded Sundown in 1978, which we've mentioned before on the pod. Um, I think when we're talking about Scream, because mm-hmm. where, where that movie's set, they do like a similar thing that they do in Scream with the Stab movies, the Stabathon. Um, but yeah, the yeah. only difference is that the burlap sap that he wears only has one eye hole and the shirt has a slightly different plaid design. <laughs> so again, Friday 13th, ripping stuff off. <laughs> I love it though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so this is funny. The actors actually stayed on set in the cabins and three of the guys played a cruel prank on, you know, the girl who plays Vicky, the one who's hitting on the guy in the wheelchair. So they creeped up to her cabin and scratched on a screen window and she got so scared that she actually hyperventilated and fainted. That would be me. (laughs) (laughs) How, How cruel but funny is that? That's so mean. That's something my dad would do. Or yeah. has done, actually. <laughs> I was thinking about that when I when I read it, actually. I was like, I'm sure that Ashley's been through this before. Oh, man. Let me tell you. <laughs> tell me about that. I don't know if we, have we, have we spoke about it on air before when your dad, like, said there was a face at the window or something. Um, not sure if we have or not, but I could tell the story. <laughs> yeah. So your dad was, like, the original prankster, right? Oh, my he still is, but I mean, oh, he's, he traumatizes his kids. Um, I think I was like four or five, and I had the hiccups, and we tried everything, you know, holding my breath, drinking water, all this stuff. And so he uh, he was like, okay, well, I'm going to scare you. And I was like, okay. He, I'm in, he's like tucking us in and everything, and then he goes, oh, my God, there's a face at the window. And I just lose it. I lose it i'm crying screaming i don't sleep in my room for a month i sleep with my mom and dad for a whole month i and to this day to this day i am almost 34 years old (laughs) 30 this was this has been 30 years guys uh i can't look at 
windows at night at all. Like they all have to be covered. Yeah. Yep. They have to be covered. I can't do it. And like, so when I see movies with like these big houses with just nothing but window, I'm like, nope, Mm -mm. not happening. You know what? I never close my curtains in the front room. Like, I don't know what it is. I, I like seeing out of it at all times, even at night. Nope. So you couldn't you couldn't have that curtains nope. open in, in the nighttime. Mm. It's like that scene, the opening of Scream, where Ghostface pops up at the window. Yep. Like, that's scary ass. <laughs> yep. That is that is my ultimate nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um what have we got next? Let's have a look. Oh yeah, the, so the ending was cut. So, um, you know where the camera zooms in on Mrs. Voorhees' head on the table? Mm-hmm. So, originally, her eyes were meant to open, and I she smiles. that was going to happen. Yeah, because it's a real head, right? It's just someone under mm-hmm. the table with the head popping out. Because it, it looks like it's about to happen, doesn't it? Yeah, I thought it was going to happen, like, the whole time, yeah. and then it just didn't, and I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, so it was meant to um but i'm kind of glad they didn't because that would have been like really cheesy and weird (laughs) yeah that would have to go on a whole like um supernatural like ghost zombie thing Mm. recently there's a friday 13th fan film actually there's tons of them if you check out uh, youtube you can find loads of them some of them are really good some of them aren't but uh, there's a, a recent one called i think it's jason rising and uh, Adrian King is actually in that. She returns to play Alice. It's almost like a uh, Laurie Strode Halloween 2018 thing where it's like, I've been waiting all these years. I'm going to come back and, and kill Jason kind of thing. But um, Mrs. I guess spoilers for, for that fan film, but Mrs. Voorhees actually comes back in that as like a supernatural zombie thing. And it's actually really great special effects and it's terrifying. Well, I'll have to check that out. Yeah. Maybe we should do um, Patreon for all the the fan films. That'd be pretty cool. (gasps) Ooh, that's a good idea. Mm. So so the guy who plays um, on the mask Jason at the end, um, his name is Warrington Gillette. Um, So he auditioned for the part of a camp counsellor, the part of Paul, you know, the the older guy that's sort of in charge. Um, But he didn't get the part. However, they liked him. And they knew that he'd gone to stunt school, so they asked him to do that part at the end. That's cool. Yeah. And it says here, although Warrington Gillette is credited as playing Jason, uh, in most scenes, the character was played by stuntman Steve Dash. Uh, Gillette only plays unmasked Jason in that sequence when he bursts through the window. And it says here that Dash was upset at being uncredited for the role, as he was most of Jason's screen time. Um and he's also the shortest man to play Jason at five foot eleven inches. Um, oh wow! <laughs> and oh yeah, short ass, yeah. <laughs> uh, still pretty tall. Um, so, but Steve Dash really went through the ringer when he was playing Jason in this. Like he got effed up. Like mm-hmm. ju- so, during the scene where Jason is chasing Ginny and she jumps out of the woods, Steve Dash ended up falling on the pickaxe and breaking his ribs. <laughs> Um, another time he was knocked out and another time Amy Steele actually cut his finger while shooting the ending scene where she fights him with the machete and he ended up going to the hospital and getting stitches and then returning back to work. 
Oh my god, that sounds so, terrible. He fucking suffered. And all that to not even get credited for playing Jason. I'd be so mad. Yeah, fuck that. And like, who the do you scene think as you well. Are? You know, where like we get the reveal of Jason with his, his bag on his head and he's edging towards Vicky with that knife and we get that shot of him like holding the knife. You can see like his thumb is bruised. If you yeah. notice that, he's got like a bruised thumb. Uh-huh. So I don't know whether that was another injury on set. <laughs> probably. And he was also uh, holding that knife upside down like a... Yeah. Yeah, I've always thought it was weird the way he holds that knife. And the machete. He, he held both of those things upside down. I don't understand <laughs> it. So what have we got next? Uh, this film has one of the longest pre-credit sequences in cinematic history. Nearly 15 minutes in some versions. Um... Jason's original name was Josh, but screenwriter Victor Miller decided it wasn't scary enough, so they changed it to Jason. I love that. I mean, I don't think either names are particularly scary. I don't think... <laughs> Do you agree? Yeah, but like... Josh is just... <laughs> Josh reminds me... Anytime I think of the... I hear the name Josh, I remi- it reminds me of Clueless. Oh, Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd, Yeah. He's weird in that film. Like, that character's very creepy and weird. <laughs> Why? Because he's, like, 22 and in love with his 18-year-old stepsister? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Slightly, <laughs> slightly weird. Yeah, it's not weird at all. <laughs> not at all. I love Paul Rudd, though. He can do no wrong. I know. He looks exactly I even love him the in same, Friends. too. He does. He's not aged at all. I'm pretty sure That's he's a, a vampire. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. I sent that picture of him in Friends where he looked exactly like Kevin. Oh, yeah. That's <laughs> uncanny. Freaking weird. Um, 48 seconds of this movie was cut by the MPAA to avoid an X rating. 48 seconds? Mm-hmm. So I'm guessing combined, they must have they cut out. Uh, I know for sure they cut out. Uh, that you know that double impalement scene when the couple are having sex. Yeah. There was more to that that got added um, recently, actually, when the Blu-ray was reissued. Uh, but that was like lost for years. So they they just trimmed a lot of the the death scene, so it wasn't as gory. That sucks. Yeah. <laughs> it would have been so much better. It would, but it probably wouldn't have made as much money as it did if it was an X rating. That's probably what That's they were thinking. True. <laughs> um. So, although the poster depicts the anonymous killer holding a bloody axe, Jason doesn't actually use an axe to kill anyone in the film. Um, his weapon of choice, is, for most of the movie, is the pickaxe. Uh, the only time an axe is used is when he places it on the pillow in the bed, like his mum did in the first one. Yeah. Um, Walt Gorney, who played Crazy Ralph, was seen many times walking around the set talking to himself. It's possible he did this just to get more into character. Or it's possible he was just crazy in real life, too. <laughs> or rehearsing his lines. I mean, that's probably the most realistic. That's what that's, yeah, I was going to say, that's the most realistic. That would be me, because I wouldn't be able to remember anything. He's like, oh, what is it? Doomed you are? No, no, it's you, you're all doomed. <laughs> um, so originally, it had been intended for Amy Steele's character, Ginny, to die. But producers decided someone needed to survive. Uh, they loved Steele's performance and wanted to sign her up for part three. But her agent told her not to, stating that she'd get better roles 
and she chose to listen. Uh, years later, she shared that she regretted that decision. Uh, while she did a few of the roles here and there, she largely left acting and instead became a marriage and family therapist. Hmm. Um, in September 2013, website Arrow in the Head voted Kristen Baker, uh, that's the girl in the Mickey Mouse t-shirt, their number three hottie in their Friday the 13th franchise top 10 hotties list. So uh, a number 10 was uh, Kevin Bacon's girlfriend from the first one. Another one that got the axe to the head. Yeah, weird. Um, I, I'll fill you in on the other entries when we get to them in the future movies. But <laughs> <Okay>. yeah, <laughs> uh, she she was number three from this, the one with the little tiny shorts on that gets the mm-hmm. catapult at a bum. Um, and fi- final bit of trivia. Uh, so Ginny's pee under the bed was someone pouring Coca-Cola. Mm. So and I, I always <laughs> see that now. Now I know that it does look very brown brown now that i'm thinking about it yeah. <laughs> gross uh, it like, also girl, says you need to that... drink some water yeah <laughs> you're dehydrated <laughs> yeah she should be dead it also says that it's still not known to this day whether it's actually Ginny or the rat that pees but i think that's a lot of piss for a rat so <laughs> oh yeah no that's way too much for a rat yeah so um initial thoughts uh you go first, Ashley. Um, I still like it better than Nightmare on Elm Street 2. <laughs> okay. So as far as sequels go, like number two. Um, not my favorite sequel. Not at all. No. No, but it's Mm-mm. above Nightmare on Elm Street 2. Yes. But it's at the bottom of sequels. Yes. <laughs> Damn, so you didn't like it? No. I didn't. Oh, no. Yeah. Uh, it was Kevin's first time watching this one, too, and he didn't oh, like it, it at all either. Oh, shit. Wow. Why? Tell me why. It was just really boring. Um, okay. So, like, okay. the pacing. Huh? The pacing, did you have an issue with as well? Yeah, it was the pacing, and I don't know. There just wasn't much to it. Like, the whole first, what, 15, 20, 15 minutes is the whole. Last 15 minutes of the first movie, so I was like, yeah, hey, that, that sucks. Unfortunately, that's a trend that continues through these films. <laughs> they okay. do a recap like a TV show would, you know, like, this is what you missed last episode. And it's literally the last, like, third act of the, the previous film that they Weird. Show. But I guess, I don't know, that's just... um just what they did then for the audiences that because obviously things weren't as readily available to watch then you had yeah. to go to the theater to see them so if you missed the first friday 13th uh then you know you'd sort of be clueless as to what was happening so i guess i guess that's the reason why they did that but it is a bit jarring yeah i don't know i just it was it was boring the kills weren't as cool i liked the score a lot Mm-hmm. The music is just fantastic. Yeah. Harry Manfredini returns mm-hmm. to the score, and it's so good. It's a great score. Yeah, that's probably the thing that like kept me in the movie. Yeah. Well, I, well, I've got to say, I'm I'm shocked. Oh. Um, I am because I love it. Like, Do you? Yeah, I think it's a classic and a damn fine sequel. Like, I okay, think it's well, almost almost as good as the original for me. Weird. Okay. Well, then. 
maybe you can explain some stuff. Maybe I missed something. I don't know. Like, maybe. I, really... I mean, I just I think that it's just like fun and simple. Like, it's it's got it all. You know, there's there's nudity, there's good kills, there's jump scares. Like, it also looks stunning. And most importantly, we get Jason. You know, and he looks frightening and dangerous, and I love him in this. So. Those are my reasons why I love it. Hmm. Um, it, just, it just didn't do anything for me. I don't know. Like, I mean, I, like I said, I enjoyed it better. Like, it wasn't like when I was watching The Matrix and I just wanted it to end. Mm-hmm. Um, like, it wasn't, it wasn't offensively bad for you. Right. It no, was it just wasn't acceptable, but not good. Correct. Maybe, okay. I don't know. I, I think. Maybe I wanted some more suspense. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, should we get into it then? Yeah, let's the, let's go scene by scene. <laughs> the op- opening scene, I thought it had pretty good suspense in it. Um, so we get the creepy kids singing Incy Wincy Spider. Uh, or in your case, it's Itsy Bitsy Spider, right? Is that the American version of mm-hmm. that? Yeah, so this was like quite a creepy scene where like it, it's just like, what, suburbia? Like it's rainy, it's dark. And then um, the kids jumping in puddles with his shoes yeah. on and <laughs> and it's just that it sort of eerie, eerie opening with the kids singing a song. And uh, we follow an unknown person walking to Alice's house. So in this scene, uh, Jason's legs are played by a woman. And it's the first and only time that that happens um, in the vein really? of Deborah Hill, I guess, in uh, Halloween. Mm-hmm. She played Michael for that one scene. Yeah. So uh, I think... I don't don't know if someone let them down or they just had to use anyone, but yeah, it's a it's a lady playing Jason in this scene where they're walking. Um, so, but at this point, we don't know it was Jason. Um, but then we cut to Alice. She's asleep, having a nightmare, and she's dreaming about her night at Camp Crystal Lake. And, Which I mean, um, was cool that that's a good way to implement the previous into the new. Mm-hmm. It is. It's a good way, you know, so they're not just like, hey, this is what happened. But, you know, they give you a reasoning why you're seeing the past. But yeah, but she also dreams about the dream she had with Jason popping out of the lake and dragging her in. So yeah. she dreams about the dream. Um, <laughs> she's like, is it meta or is it just bad? I don't know. <laughs> she dreams yeah. of the dream. So so this gives the audience like a handy flashback of the last movie and catches everyone up on what happened um, for anyone that hadn't seen the first Friday. So it's reused footage and it's a very lazy and strange way of doing it really. Um, And it's just like a really lengthy odd opening, Mm -hmm. you know, basically showing like the entire third act of the first movie. Um, But like I say, I guess maybe it was common at the time and they kind of carry on doing that theme in the next ones, unfortunately, I'm sorry to say. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it is it is weird and it, it would have been better if, I don't know, these days they'd, they'd make exposition, you know, like a character on a phone to someone. Oh, oh yeah, this happened or, you know, do you know what I mean? Like they mm-hmm. wouldn't do this anymore. <laughs> at This would not be acceptable in cinema these days. No, unfortunately. Well, I mean, they did it with Matrix really that's i mean that literally probably about 40 percent of that movie was was the other movies 
No way. I'm not even they joking. Just reused footage from the other they, film. They, it was all reused footage. What the fuck? And it and it basically. Have you ever seen all of them? Yeah, apart from the new one. Okay, so you know how like at the end of the third one, him and Trinity, uh, like crash into that robot thing and then they die. Yeah. Okay, so and. I'm just going to give you spoilers. So spoilers for anybody who hasn't seen The Matrix yet. Anyways, in the in the newer movie, the robot keeps them alive and then has them in like the whatever, what we're living in right now. And so they meet again and again and again and again and it's just stupid. And then like they come alive and then they just go back to the original movies and it's just like it was just horrible it was really bad <laughs> that sounds like a fucking mess <laughs> it, it was a mess and, wow. and nothing made sense <laughs> i love films that are a mess and nothing makes sense i might watch <laughs> um but yeah we get the flashback in this and then she wakes up and she gets a phone call off her mum um and then she's like walking about and she looks at some art that she's been doing looks like maybe self-portraits i don't know um yeah were they self-portraits or were they portraits of the crazy lady i don't remember oh it might have been mrs Voorhees. i don't know i think it was i didn't really pay attention to that um yeah so so yeah she starts running herself a shower and then there's like a fake jump scare where she like opens the curtain and looks like directly at the camera i know i thought that was weird weird. <laughs> Weird direction choice there. I think there's a few moments in this film where the actors look directly at the camera. I could be wrong, but you can definitely tell it's a different director, that's for sure. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, so then she gets up the shower because the phone rings again. Uh but this time when she picks it up, no one's speaking, and then they hang up. Um so she gets nervous then and goes around and like locks her door and peeks out the window and some I... good tension. If I'm home alone and I want to take a shower, I lock not only my, you know, entry door, but I also lock my bathroom door. I'm like, I'm not. You lock yourself it. in. Yeah. Even if you're in the house on your own. Yep. <laughs> See, I don't do that. I get claustrophobic. I I don't like locking myself in rooms, little rooms like that. I can't yeah. have all the doors open. I mean, obviously lock the, the main door. I mean, the, the main door just locks anyway when you push it too, but... Well, I just figure that if I'm home alone and somebody somehow breaks in and the bathroom door's locked, at least I'll have enough time to know that somebody's trying to break in so I can figure out a quick plan, like beat them with a shampoo bottle or something. Man, you really are traumatized, are you? Dude, <laughs> you have no idea. Like, I think about this stuff all the time. you got to think about your escape route. Is there a window I can get through? Like... But that is that is a good reason actually to to lock the door gives you an extra few seconds then because you, you can mean, hear yeah. someone coming in. I could like the thing that the thing that gets me though that I scare myself. You know, if, if I'm in in the house on my own and I'm getting like a shower or a bath or whatever, and I have like I say I have all the doors open. Um, the thing that like makes me scared is when I like if I close my eyes, you know, to like go under the shower, like to. Well, I was going to say wash my hair. I don't have any fucking hair, but, you know, wash wash my head under the shower. But And I, like, close my eyes. Like, I have this moment where I think, oh, my God, imagine if I opened my eyes now and someone was stood there 
Like, oh yeah, I think about <laughs> that stuff all the time too. It's like a real fear, or if like I submerge myself in the bath, and then when I come up, I'm like, oh my god, imagine if someone was like standing over the bath right now, like I scare myself. <laughs> I always think like, what if I'm gonna open my eyes and there's gonna be a demon like right there? Oh, <laughs> we're so fucked. <laughs> That's what I think every night before I go to sleep. That's, what, that's half the reason why I can't sleep at, uh, fall asleep quickly is because I think about opening my eyes and demons all the time. It's so funny how we're like both really like scaredy cats, but we love horror films. I know, we're, we're little chickens. <laughs> yeah, I, oh, I watched um, a couple of films the other day. The Dentist and Dentist 2, like 90s. Uh, Those like are movies. cheap, cheap slasher. Oh. oh yeah, honestly, and it's literally that—just a dentist that goes nuts and kills his patients. That's awesome. And like, they're they're really fun. Like, I really enjoyed them, but they were so gory. It was almost like torture porn, and you know, I hate that shit. <laughs> so I was like really like squeamish when the shit was going on because I hate going to the dentist anyway. But like, there was like oh, proper like close up shots on like people's heads get drilled through their teeth and stuff and I was oh, like oh, this no. is fucking horrible I'm like why am I watching this I'm like I'm like scaring myself and I'm like well that's the point you know like <laughs> I'm enjoying this like yeah the queasy factor <laughs> but yeah they were fucking gory um but yeah um where, where were we at now I can't remember uh <laughs> oh we were talking about Oh, so she gets out the shower. Oh, she gets scared. She locks the door. Yeah. And she's like thinking, oh, fuck, what's happening now? It's like a like a scream moment almost, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she's creeping about the house. She hears a noise and then she grabs an ice pick and she heads towards the open window. And then there's a jump scare. There's a cat jumps through it. And then we think, oh, it's OK. It's just the cat. And then she goes to feed the cat by opening the fridge. And then what's in the fridge? It's Mrs. Voorhees' head. <laughs> it's like, ah, she starts screaming. And then she edges back and then gets stabbed in the side of the head with the ice pick by an unknown plaid shirt wearing person. So, yeah, that is Alice uh, killed off very swiftly in the opening. Um but I've got a few questions about this. Like, how the fuck did Jason find out where Alice lived? That was and Kevin's first question. He was how like, how did um... he get there? Like, <laughs> it's inconceivable. Those two things. Like, did he hop on a bus? You know, like, how has he got money? He's not got not got a car. Did, did he walk all the way there and just like camp on the way? Like, I just I don't understand how this is possible for him to get there. Um, yeah, and it's not like she would buy a house so close to Camp yeah, Crystal Lake. Right. Like, I would be on the other side of the world. Yeah. So that raises a few questions. Um, I was in the Friday the 13th Facebook group yesterday looking for answers to this. Um, and there's this one dude that came up with a theory. Whether it's a theory or real, I don't know. But he says that her driver's license fell out of her pocket when she was fighting Mrs. Voorhees in the first film, and Jason found it afterwards. <laughs> yeah, but that wouldn't says, have her. Would that have her address? her address? Yeah, driver's license has his address on, right? No, 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 I know, but I mean, how did he know that that address was still the thing? I don't know. That's weird. Yeah, I guess well, that could make sense. 
He says that apparently you can see it fall out of her pocket in the movie. It's a blink and you'll miss it moment. But I call bullshit on that. Nope, guess I'm going to have to rewatch it and find yeah. out because it don't make no sense. <laughs> but whatever. It's a Friday 13th movie. These don't make sense. Um, but then the title well, right, zoom on. Because he's supposed to be dead. <laughs> then the title zoom onto the screen like last time. But instead of smashing the screen, they blow up into part two. Uh, pretty awesome, cheesy opening. Love mm-hmm. it. And uh, now we get to see three kids driving through the same small town from last time. And two of the kids, they stop and get out to make a phone call from the, from a payphone. And we see Crazy Ralph. And he's back to his shit. He, he's warning them that they're all doomed again. And they just shrug it off. The um, actress in this scene or that's in the rest of the movie doesn't she look like she's like 12 years old <laughs> like her, i guess she, her face is so young looking I was, I was gonna say she she doesn't look 12 years old the rest of her body right so. that's what i said her face <laughs> she has no bra on the whole film the which whole i guess film. it was Except the 80s so. but yeah they clearly chose her for a couple of reasons um <laughs> but yeah they get harassed by Crazy Ralph and they just shrug it off. Um, and they're getting directions. As this is happening, their truck gets towed away in the background and they're like running after it. But then we discover that it's a practical joke and everyone laughs. Um, it, it, that happens for no apparent reason, I guess. Um, then you get to see the guy that looks just like the guy on Ratatouille. Yes. Me and Abby say it every time. She's like, I mean, hey, identical. I've never even seen the movie, but oh my god, you've never seen Ratatouille? No. You have to watch Ratatouille. It, without a doubt, one of the best Disney films ever. Or is it Pixar? I don't know. I get them mixed up, but still, it's one of the greatest films of all time. And hmm. I, I might be overhyping that because I love Paris so much and rats. But honestly, like the soundtrack and everything, it oh, it's a beautiful film. Um. If you like animation, stuff like that, and you like Paris and rats, it's it's fantastic. Go I've never check been it to out. Paris, but I like rats. <laughs> but yeah, he it's so weird how identical he looks to Remy from Ratatouille. Uh, not I'm Remy. I'm pretty uh, sure they saw, they saw whoever created him saw this yeah. movie. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. In fact, he survives this. So maybe this is what happens to him afterwards. He becomes the chef in Paris. Yeah. <laughs> That's the rest of his story. Everyone's been asking what happened to him after this film. That's it. He became Linguini. Um, so, yeah, I guess this scene is like setting up the fact that he's the class clown, the kind of the Joker, um, you know, pulling a practical joke. Um, so then they get back in the truck and carry on their journey. And they're going like more and more through the woods, getting more and more remote. And then there's a tree falling in the middle of the road blocking their path so i told kevin that was a bad omen i would have turned around yeah Yeah. if that's not a sign then i don't know what is uh so obviously this is i don't know jason putting the tree there to stop them going there i guess is that what we're led to believe um so then they stop they get out and um then the girl she sort of wanders off into the woods on her own as they move the tree and she discovers the camp crystal lake sign um camp blood and they say, oh, yeah, that's that's Camp Blood. Um, and that's next to the camp where, where they're going. 
So they get back in the truck and we see that someone's watching them. So I guess that was Jason uh, blocking them from coming in. Um, so now we're at the camp and everyone's there. Um, we're introduced to some new characters. Um, there's a shot of that uh, hot girl's ass that was on the <laughs> hottie list. And she gets it catapulted by Scott the Creeper. That was um, such a weird, <laughs> uncomfortable, unnecessary scene. Yeah, I guess it's just setting up the fact that he's like the creeper, the suspicious guy that could be the killer, I guess, you know, because <clears throat> at this you. this point, it's still meant to be like a mystery on who's doing the killings. Um, So it's actually a counselor training center that we're at. And um, <clears throat> this guy in charge, he's, he's there giving everyone a briefing. And then we see crazy Ralph again as he watches another car pull up to the training centre, and it's Ginny, who's my favourite character in this movie. Did you like Ginny? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I wasn't say she was my favourite. I think uh, the goofy guy was my favourite. Oh, really? Linguini? Yeah. He was pretty funny. Um, but I, I, honestly, I love Ginny as a final girl. I think she's badass and awesome. Um, but she announces that she's late, and then she goes to the office with the older counselor dude. And of course, they seem to have some sort of weird past relationship already because um, it's a Friday 13th film. <laughs> um, and then it's later on and it's nighttime and everyone's around the campfire toasting marshmallows and telling scary stories. And I really like this scene. And we get the line from Paul. I don't want to scare anyone, but I'm going to give you to you straight about Jason. Um, and he then proceeds to tell everyone. That's such a great... I don't, I don't mean to scare y'all. Yeah, you do. Yeah. <laughs> so then he says, um, he's a bit of backstory, he says that the body was never recovered from the lake after he drowned and that he's still out there. And he's saying uh, that he's a demented creature and he's a fully grown man now and that people have seen him um, and that Alice, uh, the girl that survived that night, uh, she disappeared two months later and no one knows what happened to her. So he's like really scaring the shit out of these kids, like setting it up for the Jason legacy. Um, Thanks, guy. Yeah. And he says that um, legend has it that Jason saw his mother beheaded that night and that he's seeking revenge on anyone who comes back there. So it's been five years since then. And then that linguini fella jumps out in a mask and like a caveman outfit there's like a like a jump scare with that and um and he's and everyone's like scared and then he goes oh now it's out of our system i don't want to hear anything more about it jason drowns camp crystal lake is off limits that's it so that was his idea of sort of getting it out of the way um and then we're back at the cabin and uh the counselors are just kicking back chilling out um Creepy Scott tries to chat up Muffin the dog. Um, <laughs> they're playing chess. Um, but then Ginny gets bored and she goes to bed. And then we get uh, two of the counsellors. They're talking about sneaking off to explore Camp Crystal Lake. Um, but now Ginny's back at a cabin. And we see that someone's watching her get undressed. Um, and then Paul's there and he scares her. And then they start kissing. Um, and then someone's creeping about and watching, and then we see that it's Ralph, 
Um, but then Ralph hears a noise and then instantly gets strangled from around a tree. So that's the end that of was kind of cool. Yeah. He's like barbed wire, right? Yeah, I think you're right. It looks like barbed wire. That's pretty gnarly. Um, then it's the next day and the counselors are going on a trail through the woods. And then Muffin the dog runs into somebody. And then it cuts away to some sausages sizzling on a barbecue. Um, yeah, and I was afraid that the dog was going to die and that you didn't tell me that the dog was going to, like, get <laughs> punted or killed or something and I was going to be upset. But then nothing yeah. happened. Well, it kind of does. I mean, I guess that the cut scene to the sausages is implying that Jason's having a little feast on the dog at this point, maybe. Well, at least um, I didn't have to see it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but then Muffin's owner... She's looking for Muffin, uh, but then gets called away. I mean, this girl, like, considering, like, a dog's gone missing, she isn't that arsed about finding it. Like, she gets distracted very easily. Like, in a bit, she just decides to go skinny dipping instead, mm-hmm. looking for a dog. Like, come on, you're a bad owner. <laughs> Especially if if your dog's somewhere where it doesn't know where yeah. they are. The and there's bears. The yeah. So, so, yeah, so then everyone goes swimming, and then the two kids from before, they now carry out their plan of sneaking off and exploring Camp Crystal Lake. And of course, someone's watching them. And then unfortunately, they come across a dead dog, um, which is Muffin, let's be honest, because it looks exactly like Muffin. Um, and it's it's, it, it's kind of gross, but it kind of looks incredibly fake at the same time. So it's it's fine. <laughs> the thing that makes me laugh is like the teeth. The dog's I corpse. It closed kind of just... my eyes. Oh, did you, you not see it? It looks no. so bad. Like it. It looks like fake teeth. Like it just doesn't look good. That's um, funny. And then uh, they get caught by a policeman who catches them trespassing and then returns them to the camp. So we don't actually get to see Camp Crystal Lake, unfortunately. Um, and then Paul. Uh, so he, the policeman tells Paul that the training center is too close to Camp Crystal Lake and that things have been quiet for five years and they want to keep it that way. So then, um, so the policeman, he drives off and then he sees someone go across the road and run into the woods and he stops and he gets out of his car and he runs after them through the woods. Um, and eventually he comes across a ramshackle shaft in the clearing. It looks really creepy and he goes inside and discovers that this is someone's house and he as he walks through he gets he discovers like a room where he's alarmed by something but we don't see it and then he gets a swift crack to the back of his head with a with the back of a hammer so ouch he's down i mean jason Um, just does all the stuff backwards man yeah (laughs) he's a backwards guy what can i say um but yeah a back of a hammer in the head that would that would be worse than the, the blunt front of a hammer, that's for sure. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, so then we're back at the camp, and they're wrapping things up for the night. And uh, some of them go off to drink at a bar. Um, so it's Ginny, Paul, and Linguini. Uh, and then the rest of them stay. And uh, and then we see someone creeping around the camp. So a creepy full moon, some nice shots. And then uh, hot girl number three. Uh, she's looking for Muffin for a hot minute and then changes her mind randomly and decides to take a skinny dip by moonlight. 
That sounds um, like the worst too. Why would you want to do that? Have you never been skinny dipping before? No. Yes. Have you not? <laughs> but not in not in a lake. I have. A few times. Um and obviously I mentioned last episode that I was sort of brought up in the lake district and uh yeah, I used to jump in the lake with nothing on. It was fun. I guess um, the lake that I grew up around was so gross. So <laughs> right. gross. Always had dead fish and turtles and stuff in it. Oh no. Yeah, there was nothing like that in this lake in Lake Windermere. Um That's was, funny was... that it's Lake Windermere because we live right next to a Windermere uh street. Oh really? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Lake Windermere. That's um uh, it's my roots. But yeah, I'm I'm a I'm a I'm a lake boy. Not quite Jason level, but I did do a lot of swimming in the lake when I was younger. Yeah, so the um, the skinny dipping by moonlight that carries on for a bit. We get some some nudie scenes, and uh, and then the score turns into like Jaws for a moment. I don't know if you noticed that. Like it's almost like a when she's in the water. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then we see Scott the creeper. Um. He's uh, taking her clothes and then... So foul. <laughs> he makes her, like, run after him for her clothes. And then he gets caught in a trap and gets pulled and hung upside down from his feet. And uh, Which I thought was awesome. Yeah, he gets his just dessert. Uh, he's left dangling there as she goes off to find something to cut the rope. Uh, and then before she returns, he gets his throat slit by Jason, by Machete. Pretty sick kill. Um, and it was backwards. She... The Machete was backwards. Backwards Machete on the blunt side. <laughs> and then uh, she discovers him and then screams. And then it cuts to some awful music at the bar, some live music of a gu- guitar screeching. What? That uh, music was jamming. <laughs> oh, fuck no. <laughs> Not my thing. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, but the kids are there. Well, I say kids. It's Paul's there as well. And uh, they're, they're talking at the bar and they're sort of playing devil's advocate, saying, well, what if Jason was still alive out there? Um, and Ginny says, you know, what would he be like if he was? You know, um, and he must have seen his mother getting killed. And they're sort of setting it up now. So it's like very obvious at this point that, yeah, Jason's still alive and he's the killer. Um, and they're like, nah, it's, 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 you know, Jason's just a legend and it's not, it's not real. But she's like serious about it and believes it. Um, and then we're back at camp and the kids are getting it on. And we get that line, my cabin or yours. That chick was just throw like. She was she throwing was lo- herself at him. She loved that guy in the wheelchair from the very <laughs> was- first, like bit in the beginning she um it's funny actually in real life she was totally coming on to him too but didn't realize that the dude was actually gay oh poor girl <laughs> so so that chemistry well on her end was real she was digging in um but then she says the fateful line i'll be right back and um she goes off back to her cabin where she gets changed into her sexiest wool sweater and um, silky granny panties. And then she squirts some perfume around on her boobs and then some on her fanny for some reason. It's like, 
has this girl ever had sex before? Like, <laughs> so then she goes to a car to get a hairbrush and it starts to rain. And I'm like, yes, rain, bring it on. And there's like an awesome shot of lightning and the thunderstorm starts. Um, and then uh, the wheelchair guy, he goes outside looking for her. Um, and then probably the best kill in the movie happens right here. It's the machete to the face. And then he falls backwards down all the stairs, like in the wheelchair. And it's so cruel, but it's so awesome. I love it. Like, he didn't... I mean, that guy had no chance. No chance. <laughs> Poor guy. <laughs> no chance at all. Um, so then the killer creeps into the cabin where the other two kids are having sex. And he grabs the caveman spear and the, uh, from the costume earlier. And he goes upstairs. And then we get another amazing kill where he spears through them both as they're lying on top of each other. Yeah, I like Great. that one a lot. I thought that was pretty Great cool. Great kill. Um, and we're back at the bar and Ginny and Dave are leaving and they leave Linguini behind there. Um, and he asks some like really old people there, like, are there any after hour bars or something? <laughs> so he's just having a whale of a time. He doesn't want to leave. And that's the last we see of him. Um until he moved to Paris to be a chef. Um, so then we're back at the camp. And um, so she's looking for Mark. Uh, she's all ready for him now. She's got her granny panties on and her perfume in every crevice. So then she goes upstairs and then we think that she's going to discover the lovers dead in bed. But instead, she pulls off the covers and it's Sackhead Jason who jumps Surprise! out. It's a, <laughs> it's a great jump scare. And I think he looks really terrifying here. You know, he's got the one eye hole. But I love his look in this movie, you know, with the blue plaid shirt and the blue denim dungarees and the sack head. I just think it's a really cool, scary look. It's like underrated look for Jason. So then as she's like backing away from him and she bumps into one of the dead lovers hung up and she's like screaming the place down. And then he stabs her a couple of times and then we get the cool POV, the knife held up in the middle of the screen, upside down, of <laughs> course. Um, it's a great shot. Great scene, this. I love it. Um, and then we see Ginny and Dave arriving back at the training centre. Um, and then before they enter the cabin, we see her body getting like dragged down the stairs. Then they go upstairs and then they see an axe placed in the bed there by Jason just to fuck with them, like mother, like son. Um, and then they're investigating downstairs. And then Ginny looks in a dark corner and very calmly says the bone-chilling line, Paul, there's someone in this room. Oh, my God, yeah. And it, it sends shivers down my spine because isn't that one of the scariest things you could hear? There's someone in the room, like, oh, <laughs> it's horrible. Can you yeah, imagine, no. like, just... Lying in bed and your partner just turning to you and saying that, like, oh. um, I would die. <laughs> so then we see the figure in the corner start to move, and then she screams, Paul, there's someone in this fucking room. And then Jason lunges at Paul and attacks him. And then they tussle and then they disappear and out she of She didn't shot. do anything to help. Yeah, she's just like looking. And, <laughs> and then Jason pops back up. And then Ginny runs away and locks herself in another room. And then as she's like holding the door handle so he can't get in, uh, then Jason bursts behind her through the window and she screams and runs out the room into the kitchen 
and she locks the door, grabs a knife, and then the score here is great. Like the te- the tension is so great. Like as we see, like the door handle moving, and then the door shakes, and then he bursts through with a pitchfork, and then she runs away, and then she bumps into dead crazy Ralph just hanging there. She jumps through a window, and then she runs outside, and then she goes into a car, which of course doesn't start, mm. and then. Jason pops up at the window and then tries the door and then he disappears and there's like a moment of silence and then the pitchfork tears through the roof roof of the car and then his hand bursts through and then Ginny kicks the door sending Jason flying across the ground and then she runs out of the car hides in a bush and then kicks Jason like she's so badass she's like fighting tooth and nail I love her um, and then she tries another car doesn't work and then hides behind it um, and then Jason eventually finds her and jumps at her and then she hides behind a tree and then we see like the moon and Jason running like I love this chase scene it's so well done um, and then he looks in a cabin for her and then he enters and the, the music ends like abruptly and it's just silence and then like he's creeping around looking for her and all we can hear is like his footsteps and like the wildlife like chirping in the background and then we follow his feet and we see Ginny hiding under the bed. And then that mm-hmm. classic score starts up again. And then we see a rat join Ginny under the bed. And then she pisses herself. And then Jason looks back. And then he's like, he knows that she's there then. So he pretends that he leaves and sort of like closes the door. So then she comes out from under the bed. And Jason stood on a chair like above the bed and goes to get her with the pitchfork but then the chair gives away with his weight and falls and then she manages to get away and then she grabs a chainsaw starts it up and comes at Jason with it so sick and then she smashes a chair over him it's like WWF 80s wrestling it's fantastic (laughs) Um, so we leave him seemingly defeated on the floor and she makes an exit and runs off into the woods Um. But we see her taking the same path as the policeman went earlier when he discovered Jason's shack. Uh, And sure enough, she walks right into the lion's den and she goes inside pleading for help. Instead, like this is such a cool shot. I love it. Like, you know, through the hole in the wall of the shack, like you see Jason running towards it from the distance. That that was a good shot. I'll give you that. So scary. Like that, I don't know, just seeing him running with that, sack on his head i think is scarier than the mask like see what you think but i I just find it his look in this film so scary um so then she barricades herself in and then makes the grisly and disturbing discovery of jason's shrine to his mother so he's got her decapitated head laid out on her sweater on a table and the machete that alice beheaded her with and there's all candles lit around and lots of other dead people lying on the floor around it all. <laughs> it's so sick. I love that setup. It's like iconic. Um, and then Jason is like busting his way inside and she thinks fast and gets a really clever idea. So she puts on Mrs. Voorhees' sweater. This gave me the heebie-jeebies then... so bad. Ugh. I hated this. Ugh. Can you imagine? Like... No. Ugh. And then she, she makes herself look like Mrs. Voorhees by like tucking her hair in and then yeah that's it's fucked she like grabs the machete 
and then she basically impersonates Mrs. Voorhees as Jason like bursts into the room. She's like, "Jason, stop!" and like pretends to be her, uh, and she tells him, "It's all done, Jason. You've done your job well, and Mummy is pleased." And mm. then we see like flashes of Mrs. Voorhees like talking, like where her head is. Um, actually, she she returned Betsy Palmer just to do this part on the green screen. Um, so yeah, he's getting fooled into thinking that it is his mum talking, and then she tells him to like kneel down, and then as he's doing it, and she raises up the machete to swing and kill him, then he catches a glimpse of his real mum's head on the table still, and then the game's up then, and he goes for her with his pickaxe, but then Paul arrives just in time to save the day, and he fights with Jason, and then Ginny goes back, grabs the machete, and then whacks Jason from behind with it, and he goes down, and then Ginny removes Jason's sack off his head, and then we see their shocked reaction to his face but we don't actually see what Jason looks like, which is pretty cool. Leaves it to the imagination because it's always worse than what they can show you. That's what they say. (laughs) Um, So then they leave and they get back to the cabin all safe and sound. Or do they? Um, Someone at the door. So Ginny grabs the pitchfork and then Paul goes for the door. And then who's at the door? It's Muffin the dog. But how? So, some nice music playing as Muffin goes over I know, over that was Ginny. the weirdest, like... It's like... Doo, 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 doo. I know, it's like a weird transition <laughs> yeah. music style. And then suddenly, the biggest jump scare of them all, unmasked and hideous Jason, bursts through the window from behind her and grabs her. It's so scary. It's basically exactly the same as the ending from the first film. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's still effective. Um, but it's day now. And Ginny is getting carried out on a stretcher by medics. And she's like, where's Paul? Um, But yeah, another ambiguous and confusing ending. So was it all, was it a dream, that last part? I believe so. Yeah, I mean, that would make more sense with the dog and... Yeah, because that's definitely Muffin's corpse in the woods that they found. Mm -hmm. Like, I think everything from when they go inside the cabin... Is a dream. Like I think they, like I think she passed out. He went to go get help, and you know I, I just think that she's imagined that. Um, and the other reason why I believe this is a dream sequence is because in the next one, um, spoiler alert, by but Jason's bald. So and it's set immediately after this one, Halloween two style. Um, well, not quite Halloween two style because it's actually. The day after, it's Saturday the 14th, but that title wouldn't have sold as well, I suppose, if they'd have called it that. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, at the end of this movie, it's got to be a dream sequence, um, and it's a trend that will continue. <laughs> um, and then the final shot is back at Jason's shack and then zooms in on Mrs. Voorhees' head, and then the credits start to play. Um, so... What are your final thoughts on this, Ashley? <laughs> I didn't like it. Oh, wow. I'm okay. sorry. Oh, don't be sorry. T- tell me why, though. Why Why didn't you like it? It just was very bland and, mm. like, 
the kills were really fast, so they weren't like I don't know. It just wasn't anything to it for me. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. The nudity didn't do it for you either. Oh, I don't <laughs> care what Dagobah did. Didn't that save stuff. it. I did not save it. Sorry. <laughs> like, you know, I there was so many. Like I said, there were so many kids, and they doesn't like tie loose ends. And I mean, I understand it's a Friday the Thirteenth movie. <laughs> yeah. Like I like the score. Oh yeah, you can't you can't fault the score. It's perfect. The acting was okay. It was just a storyline, I guess. It was just real mm-hmm. poor. I don't know. I can, I can, I can dig it. It just wasn't. I see where you're coming from. I feel like if they would have just went from like, I don't know. I just it's just so weird to me. I just feel like Friday the Thirteenth should have just been called like Jason Voorhees or something instead. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Just because, like the okay, so like the first one is just so good and it's scary, and then at the end it's an old lady, which is even more scary. And I feel like they should have just ended with that and then continued on this with a different character or something. Yeah, this doesn't make sense. That one thing is for sure. You know, it yeah, was intended sure. just yeah, to it... be a one and done slasher. I mean, it was kind of a fumbling accident anyway. How good this movie was. Um, and there really wasn't any more story to be told. So they were clutching at straws to create uh, <laughs> this icon now of Jason Voorhees. And it's just so funny how it's just snowballed um, from something that wasn't intended to to be, you know. Um, but, I mean, for me, I think it's just good, goofy fun. Like, I just think it's a great slasher. And uh, I don't want to you know worry you but this is one of the best in the franchise for me <laughs> well kevin said that this one was the worst oh no 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 has he not seen jason goes to hell <laughs> i mean he's seen all of the other ones except for this one he said and he oh. said that he didn't like this one at all oh no i mean people have very varying opinions on this franchise but this one is generally hailed as one of the best oh goodness uh- <laughs> I'm sorry to say. I mean, you know, as far as ranking goes, obviously I put this one behind the first one, but it is pretty damn close, to be honest. Like, I love them both equally. Um, but, yeah, unless you've got anything else to say, we'll we'll wrap it up. I, I know, other than the fact that freaking men in the 70s and 80s were just creeps. I guess they oh, still hell are, yeah. but... I mean, they still are now. They're just better at hiding it. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess that about does it for this episode. Uh, but next time, we will be tackling the direct sequel, Saturday the 14th. No, I'm just kidding. It's Friday 13th, part three. There is a movie called Saturday the 14th. <laughs> we should do that. <laughs> it's a. It's like a... Um probably like a 60s early 60s kind of spoofy monster movie i haven't watched it but i've seen i've seen the cover and stuff like that that sounds cool we should definitely do that like campy there you go that's the word i was looking for awesome um so yeah dust off your 3d glasses and go and watch that movie uh ready to join us for that one it's gonna be a doozy um i was gonna ask you ashley how do you feel about watching stuff in like classic 3d because I know you've got to wear glasses anyway. I know some people with glasses don't I like I can't watch that. it. 
Yeah. No. Okay. I've tried, um, you know, taking my glasses off and trying to watch it in theaters, but it makes me sick. So I can't even, I can't do it. I've only seen maybe have, like one or two in theaters. Have you ever watched any like old school 3D with like the paper glasses with like the, the red and the blue lenses? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, but I can't do well, it. That's fine. I'll watch the 3D version and you watch the normal. Okay, uh, so good. <laughs> because, but but I will say just watch out for how many shots in this film are set up directly for the 3D effect. Yeah. Like, because there are like ridiculous scenes where there's like a broom being held in a certain way and it's like that was clearly just made for the 3D. <laughs> and there's like so a juggling funny. scene as well that's like lingered on for a a long time on a very strange angle and it's like okay it's just funny how 3d came and it was really popular and then it died out and then it came back like what 10 years ago yeah and then it's not anything anymore (laughs) yeah i mean and i love it you know i love a good gimmick and i love stuff like this like i mean we'll go into it more in the next episode but i watched uh part three in 3d for the first time last year because I got the the 3D version on my new Blu-ray box set, and I managed to get some of those paper 3D glasses. Um, funnily enough, they're actually inside a Shrek DVD nice. that has like bonus features that are in like 3D. <laughs> so I used my Shrek 3D glasses to watch it, and I had so much fun. Um, so yeah, I will be watching the 3D version <laughs> for next time. Um, but yeah, make sure you've watched that movie ready and then come back to join us. Um, but yeah, thank you everybody for listening. Um, shout out to our regular listeners and friends of the pod. John Howard, I've just been speaking to him on Instagram. Um, he's got the Blu-ray box set specifically to follow us on this journey. So thank you, oh, John. Cool. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing your thoughts on all of these. Um, Ash Bowker, of course, Daniel Cox and Ella Lineker, superfan Ryan Horn, and Sadie and Katie at Welcome to Horrorland, and the musical maestro and the composer of our wonderful theme song, Field Mouse. Um, I actually want to give a special shout out to Field Mouse because aside from providing us with the most badass theme song for the pod, he's actually a pretty great friend. Uh, it turns out he's been listening to each episode we do even if you've not seen the movie. Um, He's only ever seen the first Scream. So he's been listening to us talk about all of the Scream sequels for months. I mean, that's what my mom does. Yeah. (laughs) Him and your mom are like our biggest fans and we appreciate them very much. (laughs) So thank you. Um, You know, he's an awesome supportive friend. We love you, man. Thank you so much for all the continued support. And everyone go and check out his music. Go to offbrandmusic.com for his solo stuff and all of her twitch.net for his band. And also go and check out Justin Leal and his podcasts and merch over at leallegacy.com. He does, uh, he's doing commentary over old Disney movies and he designs like horror themed Disney mashup inspired merch too. It's really cool. Um, and go and check out jb and his podcasts over at talknerdy.uk you'll find links there to listen to this show as well so thanks jb for giving us that platform too um they actually have a book of boba fett review podcast coming up there soon and i can't wait to hear that one because that show has been 
crazy dividing Star Wars fans all over the place. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Like, for me, like, I love the last three episodes, mainly because the Mandalorian came back into it and Grogu. But um, I love the end of that show. You're telling me that the name's like, Grogu? Yeah. That's not cute at all. <laughs> Actually, one of the characters in the show comments on Grogu's name and says how bad it is. So that's funny. I've but, never seen any of those Star Wars shows ever. Oh, uh, me and Abby love it. Like literally episode, was it episode five or episode six? I can't remember which one, but um, we were both sat there just streaming with tears. It was that emotional. <laughs> I just can't get into Star Wars. Sorry. This, okay. This little Grogu is just so cute. You just wouldn't believe like it's like the cutest thing ever, but digressing. Um, <laughs> do you have any special mentions or shout outs? Oh, yeah. Um, everybody check out my brother Christian's podcast, uh, Max Effort Podcast. It streams on Spotify and I think on Apple, too. It's just positive, uplifting, and he always wants people to follow their dreams. And uh, watch out for Ashley's upcoming podcast, Minimum Effort. And <laughs> that is all about how things don't look good and you shouldn't follow your dreams and you should just wallow in the anxiety of life yeah yeah just chill (laughs) you know you want to go live in a tree live in a tree um yeah go to horrorhomeschool.com for links to everything including all of our socials and where you can listen to the show and there you will also find a link to ashley's etsy still selling merch for the show um yep 20 percent off Go to the cart and uh, check out, type in thank you, all one word, to get that 20% off. You'll find a link to that if you go to horrorhomeschool.com and scroll all the way to the bottom, click on merch. Um, Send in your comments and questions and feel free to DM us on Instagram and Facebook. And you can email us at contacthorrorhomeschool at gmail.com. And personal social media stuff, you can follow me on Instagram at chrisjwakefield. And me at underscore Abraham Lincoln underscore. We will be back soon with another episode. And remember, there's someone in this fucking room.